Hey guys, this is Person About Town. Uh, this week we're with Chris Penny. Hey guys, how's it going? And tell is... them where we are. Oh, we're at, uh, I don't know if it's it's Lee's or Lurs or it's Why would a. Lurs? That's how an American would read that sign. <laughs> right? It's L E apostrophe S. So if it was France, it would be Lur, right? Oh, yeah. It would be the masculine form. Do you speak French? I took four years of it. Well, I'm sorry, I failed four years of it in high school, so I know the masculine feminine way to do things. Yeah, so we're in the garage in Harvard Square in the People's Republic of Cambridge. So you don't live in Cambridge. Where do you live? I live in Wakefield. I live outside of the city, probably 20 minutes north. I grew up here my whole life, so I don't know what else to say to that. So I guess the question is, why would you consider, thank you, uh, why would you consider this the People's Republic of Cambridge? Because it's just, it's you know you enter Cambridge. You know as soon as you like enter the city. It's more Cambridge Somerville. It's definitely, you know, it's hipster homeless is the attire that people wear. It's, I don't know, you just, everybody just looks like they're stuck up. Well, not stuck up, but just like. I'm better than you because I'm riding my bicycle. And it's like, no, I'm better than you because I'm in a warm car and it's freezing out. That's, so I don't know, it's just everybody, it's all college students and all like save the world type of stuff. And I'm past that point in my life where I'm like, let's just get through this. That's it. Get through this, like living, get through this day. All, yes, all of that. Like, let's just get through the day, the life, just get your get stupid bike out of my lane and let's just move on. Yeah. Right. So how is this different from, you said Wakefield? Uh, yeah, Wakefield is just, it's, it's every small town type of, like, nobody walks anywhere, everybody, you know, so it's, yeah, small town America, I guess. It's, I don't really like that town either. <laughs> I just, I don't really like anything or anywhere. It's just, so it's not. That was actually going to be my follow-up question. Is there a town in the world, like the entirety of the world, that you're like, okay, this thing I could get behind? I, I grew up in Wilmington, so that's like I like the town, but I don't like going there because I hate running into people that I used to know. So I just like when I drive through, I'm like, oh, I remember this. This was good. And all my friends that live there that I grew up with, they've moved out. They've moved on. My my parents still live there, but yeah. So Wilmington's my hometown, I guess. And uh, yeah. Are you gonna go back there? It's the holiday season. Are you gonna go back there for the holidays? Yes, I will go to my parents' house Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, and then, yeah, they live right in Wilmington, so I'll go over there. The whole family comes Christmas Eve, and then Christmas morning I just do presents with them and my daughter, and then done. Go home, sit on my couch, hang out, that's it. Avoid people, that's good. All of the people, just avoid all. Yeah, I'm not a, I don't have a problem with sitting quietly in a dark room. It's fine with me. Uh, I've actually recently retold this story that my mother told me that when I was a kid, and I mentioned to you earlier that I'm introverted, nobody tends to believe that. Um, but when I was a kid, when I was like three or four, my mother said that when, like, if things were crazy, like hectic at the house, if a lot of people were over, I would take all of the pots and pans out of one of the cabinets and just get in it and shut the door. So, it's like... I guess you're a little introverted if you're totally, like, four years old, just climbing into a dark cabinet and being like, I'm good with you people. I'm wondering about your, like, child psyche that wants to get into a cabinet instead of just, like, going into another room and closing the door. Oh, people will find you. They'll be just, are you okay? What are you doing in here? Are you playing? It's like, no, I just want to be left alone. There's... 
but no one's going to ask any questions about like just a pile of pots and pans on the floor. Well, I'm sure they will, but that's when like that's when your mom takes over and she's just like, "He's fine. Just leave him be. He's fine." Right? I mean, it's at 4, you're, I think every kid's afraid of the dark, but I was more like, "I don't I'm good with the dark right now. I'm just I got to get away from you people." And I would just sit in a little I don't know how long I sat in there. It wasn't like she wasn't like, "Oh, it was the whole day." It was but I was my I gave myself a yeah, self-induced timeout. Yeah. So it was just like Were you a good kid? What's a good kid? (laughs) Did you get into a lot of trouble at school? No, my brother did though. My brother was the town a hole. Like he was like the the whole town. Uh, he was one of them. He was definitely higher up in the the a hole hierarchy. Like every bully in school, like everybody uh, talks about bullying, and uh, actually a lot of people think that I was probably a bully in school because I'm a bully now. Wait, how are you a bully now? Uh, just uh, giving people crap, like that time type of thing. Not letting anybody get away with anything. But I grew up with that my whole life. So why would that's my friends? That's what we call love. Like, like everything painful from childhood. When I get together with my old friends, is just rehashed and like, ah, oh, you were an idiot and ah, oh, what a dummy. And it's not a good like. You have fun, you laugh about it, but we only like each other because we have so much crap on each other that we just rip each other apart for two hours and then move on. Do you know? Pause this and yeah. eat this deliciousness? Or? Yeah, there's deliciousness. Wait, describe for the listeners what you got. Uh, I got a, a large bowl of pho. It's Vietnamese soup. It's got noodles and beef, and it's great. If you've never had pho, you, I don't know why you're even still going on with it. Because uh, this is just, it's its like a mom hug in bowl form. That's really what it is, right? It's so good. It looks good. It yeah. is. I got uh, meatballs and the other same stuff. So meatball pho, yeah. All right. Meat I think these are meat. I don't know. You think I'm going to get, just because I live in Sarville, like tofu or something? I just assume it's all like, has this touched an animal? I can't eat this because it was in the same room as an animal. And I'm like, kill it and eat it. Kill it and eat it. Uh, If I had to kill an animal to eat it, I would slice open a cow's throat right here. I don't feel... Guilt about that. I would ride it. I would ride it to its own death. I would do that. I would be like, come on, cow. And then we would go to a place and I would hug it and I would be like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm going to eat you now. I'm going to eat you. All right, pause. Hey guys, we're back after having eaten. All right, so tell them how you liked it. It was good. It was fantastic. It was the warm hug I was looking for. So I know you through comedy. How did you get started in comedy? Would you say this is like 90 minute interview so I got time the long version is I've always wanted to do comedy uh, I was probably 10 probably younger than that and now it's it gets into the weirdness of I heard Bill Cosby's himself album uh-huh. and was like I don't know what that is I don't know what he's doing but I want to do that so from like a young age I just Listen to that, thought it was great, wanted to be it, which is hilarious now because now it's like, oh, who's you hearing comedy? Bill Cosby, which immediately now has to come with an asterisk. Because it's like, no, I liked him pre-gross dude. Uh, so, <clears throat> listen to that, yeah, I did that, and then had always kind of figured I would do it. And then just went back and forth and did a lot of ridiculous things in my life. And finally at 31, stopped doing bodybuilding and stepped on stage as a comic and have been doing it ever since. It was that easy just to like get on stage and you had jokes and everything? 
I wouldn't say I had some funny stuff. There's still actually a couple of things that I do from probably the first year or two I was in it. They're just, I had a lot of life experience to draw on. You know, being a single dad type of thing is immediately, it's not like, you know, there's not a lot of me out there, I guess. Like now I'm, it's different because she's grown, but, um, and I've said it in rooms, like halls where there's two, 300 people. I'd be like, you know, clap if you're a single dad and it's just silence it's just absolute silence because there's no single dads out at a comedy show they're all you know doing whatever but but yeah I just went from bodybuilding which was in a way if I can get on stage in a speedo I can get on stage and tell jokes so it was all leading up to it I know no one who's done bodybuilding ever in my whole life so how did you get into that I had never gone to the gym really but my stepbrother who was a downhill mountain bike racer with incredible natural ability, everybody was telling him, train, you know, go to the gym, train, get stronger, you'll be so much better. So he was like, hey, I need somebody to go to the gym with me. He signed up for a year. I signed up for three months because I was like, I don't know if I like this, I'm not going to do So I signed up for three months, he signed up for a year. Three months later, I signed up for another three months, and he had never been back. So I hired a trainer because I had no idea what I was doing. And I was 26 started at the gym in November, February, hired at end of January, talked to the guy, February we started training, and I said, I want to do a competition, and he's like, oh, okay, I said, we'll pick one next year, I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do this for a year to find out that I hate it, yeah. so I said, I want to do one in June, there's one in June, I said, okay, so I trained for that, and uh, it's actually kind of funny, because I told nobody, I, or anybody that knew I was doing it, I said, don't come, I don't want anybody there. So it was my trainer, his girlfriend, and me at this show. I entered two classes, and I won both of them. So they're announcing the winners. The whole place is going nuts because everybody has, like, pockets of family here and there. And then they announce me as the winner, and it's silence <laughs> except for my trainer and his girlfriend. Just, like, <laughs> just a whole auditorium of silence and two people clapping and cheering. And I was just like, ah, that's pretty funny. That's just funny. From then, you were like, I'm going to keep doing this for years. I didn't, I was kind of like, well, that was fun. And everybody around me was like, you have to keep going. You're natural, you know, you have natural ability. I'm like, okay, I have natural ability to essentially stand in my underwear, <laughs> which is, you know, one of my friends actually said to me, he's like, everybody has a, a thing, like one thing that they're good at, and you found yours. And I'm like, no, don't ever say that to me. That's like a horror, like, that, to me, that's scary. Like, like, well, he makes muscles. That's he's found his one good thing. Yes, wow, he's an idiot, but he did it. So I basically set a goal. I was 27 that May, and I said I want to be a pro by the time I'm 30. And it was kind of unrealistic, kind of ridiculous. But I turned 30 in May of the, like whatever, and then uh, in June I turned pro in New York. What does turning pro entail, and why would you be in New York to do it? You had to. In the, the organization I was a part of, it was natural, so I was drug tested, urine tested and polygraphed before and after shows. And turning pro was basically you went and in certain shows, you had to win the whole show. Like you won your class, and then all the class winners would go out and pose together, and then they would win an overall winner. And uh, in New York, it was you had to win your class because it was it was called the Worlds because there were people from Ireland, England, so the competition was that much 
more intense. Yeah. So they said if you win your class, it's the same as winning an overall in a right. local show. So I went out to New York, and it was actually funny, because the show MTV, True Life, I Want the Perfect Body, uh-huh. was filming. They were filming a guy that I was competing against. Uh-huh. And so if you watch the episode, which I can't, you can't really find it. It's season one. Uh-huh. True Life, I Want the Perfect Body, I Want to Be a Pro Bodybuilder, was the guy that was doing it. Yeah. And on the show, you can see me in the background goofing around and messing around, and I actually beat him to turn pro so he would the whole show was about him yeah. doing this yeah. and then he was all sad <laughs> yeah win. yeah right you know so it's funny because nobody everybody's like no way and then they the people that have seen it are like yeah yeah that's you because yeah. <laughs> everybody's super serious and like oh you would imagine a bodybuilder being like ugh, ugh. and i'm literally in a speedo jumping around like a goofball <laughs> joking around with one of the guys like the backstage people mm-hmm. My buddy's father saw the show, who I had trained, mm-hmm. and did all this stuff. And my, he's watching the show, and he goes, "Hey, like you can see me in the background." And the, he goes, "Hey, isn't this, isn't this where Chris is waiting to find out if he's now a pro or not?" <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "My buddy's like, yeah." And on the sh- like, I'm dancing around, like goofing and laughing and joking. And he goes, "Does this kid take anything seriously?" And my buddy's like, "No." No, it really doesn't. He really, and then so I went, but it was, it was the work was done. Yeah. I was standing. It's like it's. What else are you gonna do? Yeah, it's like waiting for you know the winner of a contest. It's like, well, I don't have to worry about it because I've already put the work and I'm already. I either won or I didn't. So yeah. let's goof around and be idiots. I can't wait to eat food. So, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I did that. It was 2003. Competed again 2004. Did a couple of shows. Wasn't really feeling it. Mm. Knew I just, my only goal was to turn pro. Yeah. Did it, competed as a pro a few times, and was like, okay. And then November of 2004 was my final show. May of 2005, I started doing comedy. So, yeah. So you've always had something that you're doing outside of, like, your main job, or at that point was, like, training your main job? No, I've always done cars. I've always fixed cars. Been uh, spinning wrenches since I was a young lad. Is that, is that the term spinning wrenches? Yeah, that's, well, that's what we say. Oh, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've fixed cars since I was 19. Like, graduated high school, kind of guy hired me, said, you know, I'll teach you how to fix cars, and been doing it ever since. Now I'm, I fix Volvos. I'm, like, the lead guy at a Volvo dealership, and I basically come and go as I please and do comedy. Yeah, so, nice. yeah, so it's good. I like it. Okay, so I, I know what a car is. I, I know where the engine is located. Do you? On all of them? When, when you, when you, not always in the front, you know. Uh, then no, I guess not. Um, but what's like one thing that you have to deal with people coming at you like with a complete lack of knowledge consistently that you're like, I just wish everyone knew this? Uh, it's Nobody knows anything about cars. There is no one. It's like you're trying to explain to somebody what the problem with their car is, and they don't even know how to open the hood. You know, it's it's if, if it's not because they forgot to put gas in it, then they have no idea. You get a lot of people like, oh, I think my starter's bad because my car won't start. But that's not. The starter is the thing that spins the engine, and a lot more goes into it actually starting. But people think there's, like, special magic dust that you just pour into the starter and it you oh yeah, yeah. you ran out of starts like a like a charlie card like oh you ran out of rides just refill it like there's a lot yeah so yeah no people are generally people generally shouldn't be allowed to have cars is what it is 
When you said spin the engine, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Basic levels, say what that means. RPM, rotations per minute. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. That's, um, that's it. The engine spins, like which <laughs> makes pistons go, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, <sighs> there's a lot to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and people always ask me, like, how come you don't do jokes? about fixing cars I'm like because nobody would have any idea what I'm talking about and nobody likes mechanics it's because you're angry when you have to take your car to me and you're angry when you have to pay to get your car back so it's not like there's no friendly like hey man I just stopped in to say hi it's not how it works so I'm basically I tell people that if like everybody you know with the whole zombie apocalypse all that junk I'm like yeah no it's me and a doctor you find us and you're good because I can pretty much get anything going like mechanically I'm pretty good with stuff but yeah no you go okay all right there uh, business guy zombies are coming I don't does your easy pass work because uh, we're gonna get eaten dude we need to get this moving so. Yeah, it makes me really reconsider all of my educational training because I have degrees in like history, psychology, and film. So I uh, I can record and write about it uh, if there's a zombie apocalypse. But that's the thing. Somebody would need to write it, and I would just need to keep the bus moving. That's yeah. it. You know okay, what I mean? So, so, yeah. You get a bus. Well, the, there's enough seats. I mean, I know you have like other people. Well, it's, it's, it's like, think of it this way. Like, I think if, the, if, if Jesus was real... <laughs> And like, say it happened now, and like you were writing that, like rewriting that story as like the zombie apocalypse. So he has all his apostles. What it would be is all these apostles like, come with us, come with us. But nobody would ever write the story about the dude that just kept the bus going. Like Jesus, we gotta get gas. Come on, dude. And it would be like, oh, and then they stopped and spoke on this mountain. And I'd be like, no, because the bus had a flat. You guys were speaking because I was fixing a flat, you asshole. So yeah, it's just that you're the uh, annoyed disciple. Yeah, yeah. it's. Anything. Are you a prophet? No, I'm the roadie. I am the guy that keeps this shit show rolling. Unbelievable. I'd be the one asshole that got kicked out for throwing stuff while he's speaking. We're ready to go. Come on. So yeah, I don't know. It's it, it is the like the I'm one of the people that keeps everything moving. Like you know, you get on a you get on a train, you get on the T. Yeah. It's just a magic bus that rides down a magic tube. You don't think anything of it. And meanwhile, I'm I get on the tea or like uh, like do you go to carnivals? Like do you enjoy carnivals? Like or did you as a kid? I was a very uh, standoffish. Yeah, I was a bookish kid. Like toys and carnivals were like fun-ish. I like toys and carnivals. Like just a wash. Like cross the boards. Anything that you would assume a child would enjoy, I did not. I, I liked playing, but just like outside, not with like toys. Were you the person that was like, you're not playing right? I don't, the fact that I don't know makes me think it's possible that I might have been that person. Um, Kinesis and play? She doesn't let me play right. We had very complicated like social scenario games. Like this person would be the mother, this person would be the father, we would be the children, or like. You were doing like. Act roles, you, yeah, know, you yeah, are yeah. acting. Like, uh. yeah. <laughs> no, I have a joke about like how we role played. Like we pretended to get beaten by our parents, like, and then like what we would do about that. Yeah. Which equaled out to be probably about nothing. Like you would just have a good. That was when you came up with the uh, the speech of why parents should not, and you would tell that parent. Yeah. Uh, which in real life would just get you beat more. <laughs> no, my mom 
didn't beat me. She would just threaten to beat me. And, like, her threats, she could give them now, even to me as an adult, and I would have, like, this instinctive fear. Well, that's what parents are for. It's <laughs> just, it, it, like, and that's, like, I've, I've made jokes about your kids should be afraid of you. Like, that's, I think that's how it should be. I think your kids are supposed to be afraid of you, so you can get them to do shit. <laughs> would you say that your daughter is afraid of you? Yeah. Like, not in a bad, like, I've never raised a hand to her, but, like, uh, I did. I went to one of her parent-teacher, I've been to many, but there was one in high school, and uh, met the teacher, he seemed like a good kid, which is hilarious, because he was clearly a, a closer to her age than he was to mine, which is funny, because at the time, I was 22 when I had my daughter, so through her entire school career, I was always, like, 10, 12 years younger than all the other parents. Uh-huh. So I never, like, I was never, like, invited to the parent party type of stuff. Because I was always like, who's that? He's very young. Oh, he's a single parent, too? He's single? Mmm, we're not going to invite him to any of this stuff. Yeah, it was not. What did they think would happen? I'm just a dad. I don't know anything. Only moms know stuff. Like, on the, on the school paperwork, when I would fill it out when she moved in with me, they, the, they would keep sending it home, saying, we need the mom's information. And finally, I had to call the school and go, no, you're not, they're just, go with the dad. Because it was first contact, mom, second contact, and then dad. So it was like, it went mom, grandparents, dad. And I was just like, what am I, the like, last-ditch effort? Like, this child is going into foster care if we can't, well... Fuck it, we'll call the dad. But it was, yeah. It was, that's insane. Oh, that's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So it's very entertaining. I don't even know where I was going with that. Where did I start with that? What was the initial question? Is your daughter afraid of you? Yes. Yeah. So so the teacher was like, you know, I met her. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Went home, talked to my daughter. You know, we were just hanging out. The next day, she went into school, and apparently the teacher had said, oh, man, I met your dad last night. Seems really nice. I would hate to have to be in your house when he's yelling. And, like, my daughter was like, oh, he doesn't really yell. And he's like, really? Seems like he could, like, really, like, yell. And she's like, no, no, he gets silent, and it's even worse. Like, she knows, like, I mean, that's, I'm sure, your mother. She can give you a look, and you're like, I'm fucked. I'm done. Okay. And that's every parent. I mean, I've said on stage, and I say to everybody, if your kids are your best friends, you have shitty friends. They're not, you're not supposed to be a kid's best friend. As a, you're supposed to be a parent, and then that grows into a friendship, but you're always going to be, you know, mom's always going to be mom. She's always going to be, like, she'll be friendly, but when it comes down to something, she'll kick you in the teeth and be like, no, Kenise, that's not how it works. And you'll be like, but you're my friend. And she'll be like, no, I'm not. I am not. And that's how I am with my daughter. She doesn't like it, but I think she'll be a better human being for it. That's so, a good Yeah, yeah. Have you been talking about your daughter on stage since you started comedy, or is that newer? No, nah, it's pretty much been ongoing. I've basically gone through our life together. Because then, when I was doing comedy, it was being a part-time dad. She would come over for visitation, and like I still, I still actually do some of those jokes because they're just they're kind of universal. Because yeah. I can, I mean, 20 years from now, I could technically still be doing them because oh, I remember when my daughter was that age, and you know, so my life has always, my comedy has always been kind of autobiographical so and now I'm at a point which is funny because it's been kind of rough because now she doesn't live with me anymore she's on her own her choice sometimes I don't mind the choice sometimes I don't like the choice she's doing well she's you know I'm proud of her for doing it she's not asking me for money she's kind of doing her own thing which for a 19 20 year old now is pretty to me it's pretty impressive because I deal with a lot of 
comics. And I'm like, you're 30, and you live at home. Okay, good. No, I don't want that. Um, so, yeah, she's, and now I'm at the point in my comedy where I'm like, I'm just a dude now. Just a, you know what I mean? It's like I've always had that hook of single part, single full-time dad, raise my daughter. She's 19, doesn't live with me anymore. I mean, our relationship is changing, and I'm trying to figure out material for that, but realistically, the, the adorable, like, oh, my God, he's a single dad, that's so cute, is not there. It's not, so I have to kind of try to figure out where my character is, who I am on stage anymore, so, I don't know. How would you describe that process? Because, like, I'm pretty new to it. I don't even know if I've, like, defined a character on stage, but you seem to have a very clear one. How, was that a an effort that you made to specifically create that or how did that work? Personally, I think you do everything you do and your character comes out. You find out and a lot of times it's you just, and for me it was, I hated the kid jokes. For a long time I was like, I know they work and I know they get me work but I'm sick of them, blah, blah, blah. And it took me a long time to finally say, that's who I am. That's me in a nutshell. That's my life. My life is based around her. My Basically, I just kind of embraced it and said, okay, if that's who I am, okay. And it does allow me to be kind of grumpier and meaner, like, with a lot of stuff, because it's it kind of takes the edge off. Like, I'm, I'm everybody's dad, and all dads should be just a little aggravated and grumpy <laughs> all the time. So it works, and yeah, but I think... I think you just keep writing and writing, and the jokes that work will kind of all have like a, a a line through them all. So it's you know what I mean. You're not like you never see somebody doing all like one-liners and then bust into a five-minute family story. Yeah. You know what I mean. Or you don't see somebody that's doing like more storyteller, or you know, then they stitch break off into some weird random. You know what I mean. Yeah. You're either a a person that talks about your life, talks about just situations, makes up situations, mm. but eventually you write enough and you're like, oh shit, that's who I am. Okay. And then when you when that happens, I think, it becomes easier to write. You know your character, so you're writing a script, like I'm writing a script for me, but now I've left that sitcom and now I'm moving <laughs> on and I'm like, oh shit, do I have another sitcom in me? Do I have one? Can I do it? So... So this is a question I ask everyone. You've been in the Boston area for a long time. What other cities have you thought about going to, would you want to go to, or would you absolutely not want to go to? Well, I've been in Boston my entire life, so uh, best way to say that is when I went out to New York last month. I liked it. I had a good time, but me and Dan Crone, we were hanging out. And he was like, man, I love this city. I, can't, I would love to move here. And I was like, I hate everybody. I know there's too many people here. This is like, oh, my God. And he just stopped and, like, looked at me. And he's like, I never realized just how, like, ah, like, introverted, like, closed off. Like, I'm like, I'm very open-minded. I like crowds, but I like to be outside the crowd. I like to, like, I'm the kid at the high school dance that was sitting on the bench, like, the, the edge. Yeah not feeling bad, not like, oh, nobody will dance with me. I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying watching all these people. Look at them. Oh, so good. But I, that, So that's, New York is too much. It's, it's just overwhelming. Like, I would basically just collapse into a routine. So I would, like, if I lived in one spot, I would find the easiest store to go to. The Like, I would just, it would be like, Chris, you doing comedy? I just don't leave my block. I just, I'm trapped. There's too many people. It's too, ah... So, um, nah, I just, I haven't traveled much, and now, so I don't know. I don't know where I would like to end up. I've all, my, my 
mother always laughs and said that if it wasn't for having my daughter, she's like, I always wondered where I would visit you. Because I was always like, I'm out of here. Not out of here, but like just, I would have packed up a car and driven away. And wherever I ended up, been like, good enough, yeah. So, But yeah, I'd like to travel. I'd like to see more of the country and then more of the world. But I don't have any place I really... New York's not my scene. It's not my style. I think I'm, I think the age thing for me kind of takes me out of a lot of it. I don't... People just know me here. So as a 41-year-old dude walking into a bar full of 20-somethings, enough people know me and they're oh, it's Chris. He's not... Like, he's not just here to, like, have creepy at the bar type of thing. <laughs> he's here to, like, he's going to do his set, he's going to hang out, talk to some people, and then get out of here. Whereas if I go to New York... It's like, is this guy a comic? Is he just creepy? What's going on? Like, and I don't... I think it's very amusing that you think that people are going to think that you're creepy. <laughs> like, there's nothing about you that, like, gives off creepy. There's nothing about you that particularly gives off, like, that old. So you're just, like, a creepy old guy. <laughs> but, like, who would... Has, has someone come up to you and been like, who are you? Why are you here? You're creepy? Only, only in um, my daughter's school situations. Uh, she used to play field hockey. <laughs> and I was just a random dude, according to them, showing up to every field hockey game. And there was a couple times that parents would come over and go, oh, hey, how are you? I'd be like, and I'm not very chatty. I'm not a small talker. Uh, so I would just be like, good. I'd be like. They just thought you were like a weird fan. Yeah, just a guy. Because I, I would be in like work clothes, so yeah. like blue coveting dirt, like grease, whatever. Uh-huh. And like a hoodie. It's cold, so I got my hood up, I got my hands in my pockets, I'm kind of hunkered down, I guess I don't look that inviting, but they'd come, hey, how are you? I'd be like, good, like, why are you talking to me? With those? I don't know you, and then they'd always be like, do you know one of the girls? And the funny thing, my daughter was the goalie, so she's got full, like, you can't see her, it's just a giant thing in the goal. I'd be like, oh yeah, my daughter's the goalie, and they'd be trying to make like facial like I'm like can't see your face it's really screwing you up isn't it like I wouldn't so they would always get weird yeah yeah like they just thought I was there some like perv dude was like field hockey but yeah no I'd be like no that's my daughter and they'd be like oh okay and my daughter of course is a freshman sophomore junior in high school doesn't want to deal with me like she she was equally standoffish like wanted to be cool was happy I was there needed to make sure like Hey, thanks for coming. But that was it. Then like, uh, uh, like my friends are here, Dad. Don't look at me. So, so it's just that. That was the only. But no, I just you've seen enough creepy dudes in bars. Like, like hanging out at the studio downstairs. Like after a show. Like everybody used to hang out there. But now, like if I walk in, even if I just like, okay, I want to go get a blue moon. They don't have blue moon upstairs. I'm gonna go get a blue moon. Just going through that room to get a blue moon is just like, oh, get away. Oh, stop it. Like just. I don't know, because I look at it, I'm like, you half of you people are closer to my daughter's age, and I don't want to hang out. I don't accidentally want to have small talk with you. Accidentally have small talk? Yeah, like, hey, how are you? Oh, shit, now I have to talk to you, because then I'm a jerk if I don't stop and chat. And I'm not a big chatter anyways, so that's my downfall in this industry. The like the chat. Yeah, I don't like to, I, I, I get essential, I don't like to network. I don't like to, like, I like people, I enjoy them, but... I'm not small talkish, so when I I'm like, hey, how's it going? Good, you? Oh, good. That's, that's and then it, then I'm just like, I'll stand there, and it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I'll be like, no, it's really not. I'm actually okay with this. This is I said everything I needed to say. You know, it's, 
Because it's all, I mean, it's kind of all crap. It's all bullshit. So you're just like, eh. And most people don't know my real sense of humor, so I'll make a comment and people will be like, ah. And I'll be like, see, that's why I don't talk. That just gets people weird. It's... Okay, so you mentioned uh, networking industry stuff. What are some of the, you do a ton of shows. What are some of the things that you do, like organize or consistently do that you really enjoy and why are some of the reasons you enjoy those things? As far as the, the, the business part of it, the only thing I like about comedy is the stage. Uh-huh. That's true. If you, the only way I can tell you is how much I love comedy is the fact that I will do the rest of it to get to the stage. Like the the networking, the the trying to book stuff. Like I like I really do like all the bookers. They're all we're all crazy in a certain <laughs> level, in a certain range. And you can't say that there's not any bookers that aren't crazy. And even if they aren't, they deal with a thousand crazy people a week, meaning us. So it's you know it's the thing I find entertaining is people that get mad. I email them and they never get back to me. I'm like, yeah, so do I. They never get back to me. Here's how this business works. You send an email if they're sitting directly in front of their computer about to book a show and you go, bling, hey, I'm looking for dates. They go, oh, good enough. And they plug you in. If you not, if you just send an email once, no, you're buried in so much comics from all across the country are trying to let, you know what I mean? It's like, so, yeah, no, I think you just got to, uh, once a month, once every couple weeks. I mean, I think you have to kind of, you can't just beat people over the head with, like, I need dates, I need dates. Yeah. So once a month I'll send out a mat, like, I'll send out my dates to the people that book me. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that I know like me and book me more consistently, I'll just shoot them an email. Hey, you know, just curious if you found it, if you got anything going, yeah. you know, blah, blah. But the people that don't book me, once a month, every other month, yeah. sometimes I'm just like, people will be like, oh, did you talk to so-and-so? I'll be like, oh, no, no, I, oh, I should. I should do that. I <laughs> yeah. should do that. Yeah, it's just funny. Be funny. Mm. That's the only part of this business that people tend to forget about. Mm. It's like it's the networking and sending emails, getting in front of bookers. It's like, yeah, but the way that you could do it, too, is just get to be consistently get funnier and funnier mm-hmm. until everybody in the scene is like seeing Canise she's actually doing real like I've seen her she's every time I see her she gets better and better oh really and then you're talking to that person they're talking to that person and somebody else is like oh yeah blah 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 seeing Canise she gets better and better and the other person's like somebody else said that that's okay I'm doing a show let me do you know like ever in, and it's word of mouth it's just it's got nothing to do with getting on the right showcase I've gotten more work out of eating it on a show just absolutely just soul crushing just like coming off stage and being like well that was a thing that happened and people there are like oh my god you know they know the room was dead the the crowd hated everybody but you didn't sweat it you did your thing you just kept pushing and you got a couple of laughs but you never once broke down and were like you guys suck or that was funny you just you know I've done yeah, I've gotten more work out of just like not eating it, but just like having a horrible room and making it through it. And people, you come off and people are like, "Hey, man, that was great," and you're like, "No, it wasn't. That was not great for anybody involved." And they're like, "I have a show coming up. I'd love to have you on it." Okay, sure. So, crushing is not going to get you work. People watching you work—that's that will get more. So, uh, yeah, the stage is what I love. If the, back to the original question, I think I think that was it. I love the stage. I love talking into a microphone, talking at people. Okay. 
I'm an introvert. It's not a conversation. I'm just telling you what's on my mind, and then I get to leave. It's the best. I've never heard comedy put that way. I like that. It's what it is. I mean, it's the whole idea behind it. It's making people laugh. You're not asking them to laugh. You're making Yeah, so if you're up there, even if you know this joke is horrible, it's not going to work, if you deliver it in a confident manner, at a certain level, the crowd's like, is, is that funny? It should, like, they seem very confident in that. Maybe we're wrong in this. I mean, you can say some... I mean, you, I'm sure you've heard it. It's just very mean-spirited, like, nasty stuff on stage. And you're like, that's hilarious. Can't say that in public or to uh, just a random person. Yeah. But somehow you can deliver it to a room full of 200 people, and it's the funniest thing in the world. But if you go to work and say it to one person, you're now in HR being a little chat. You, you can't say that, Canise. That's not good. But. Do they ever ask you at work to do comedy? Yeah, they actually hired me this year for the holiday party. They said, uh, oh, we want to, we're doing a holiday party. We're just going to, you know, we want to do comedy. And would you be interested in helping us? And I was like, what do you want for help? They're like, well, we, you know, and I know they, they were basically doing the roundabout, like, we want to have con. We don't know. Like, you know, you do it. So you would be the one that knows. Like, who do you, you know, who would be good? Like, if you want to do it, that would be great. So, uh. I hired two people, and I'm not doing it. I'm not even going to be at the Christmas party. What? Yeah, I'm not going. I booked shows that weekend. Oh, okay. It's so good. And then you're just like, nah, well, I'm no, I didn't. Free, not going to do it. Yeah, he was at the time, and I booked uh, a couple of I booked a, co- a couple guys that'll be great, but I don't want to do comedy yeah. to people I work with because yeah. if they don't think I'm funny, now I have to work with them, and they're like, so he does comedy? It's not even that great. Uh, and that's the worst. It's literally, it would be like you, like you're mother and sister coming to that show was fun because they were surrounded by a crowd and they're like, all right, we think she's funny. Everybody else thinks she's funny too. Great. Yeah. Whereas if you just went to like a family gathering <laughs> and were like, Canise, why don't you bust out a set? All right, let's do this. It's just going to be your family staring at you going, this is what she's doing. Hmm. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not good for the soul. It's just not good. No, thank you. What? in your opinion, is the ideal show? So given, like, some people talk about the room itself, some people talk about the audience, some people talk about, like, locations and spaces. What, for you, is, like, the ideal show that you'd be like, this is the perfect show? I, uh, I don't understand the question. So, like, um, I think the worst show I ever had was in, like, the back of a shrimp restaurant, and the crowd was all 60-plus white Catholic people. Uh, and I should I should not confirm or deny that that was the exact location. Because uh, I think <laughs> I may have done that show. Uh, it's possible, uh, but that is the worst I've ever felt on stage. What is the opposite of that for you? I don't think there's a specific location. I've done. I've done, um, like, Laugh or Foxwoods with its 300-seat clubs, and there's 20 people in it, which you would look out and be like, this is going to be horrible. And I've had some of the most fun doing stuff like that. And then I've had shows where it's Foxwoods, Laugh, wherever. A seat, like, um, there's a Norwood Theater, which holds 700 people. Guy asked me to do half an hour clean to open. Never once looked out into the room 
I said, yeah, no problem. That's fine. I can do that. They're like, no swearing, no nothing. I said, okay. They're like, that's how the room likes it. That's, and I know that for it to be true. Walk out on stage as I look at the crowd. It is literally children and their parents, but the children are in their 60s. So the median age was probably no younger than 62, which I've realized in comedy, the older you get, the less you laugh, but you smile and nod in agreement, like, I agree with that. So it was a room full of 700, not even older, they were old. There was a lot of old. There was a lot of creams and lotions and Ben Gay smelling things. So it was just a, a huge crowd, which was great, but... There was no roaring laughter. It was, yeah. but I came off, and after they were like, "Oh my, God, you were so funny! You were so great!" And they were very supportive. It was, it was a fun time, but to do a half an hour to a happy silence, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I kind of like, like, and I, I kind of made up the line there. I'm like, "Wow, your smiles are so loud. It's, it's hard to deal with." Uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was super fun and. So you would look at that and be like, oh, packed house, 700 people. It's, yeah, it was. It was great. They really, they loved me, but they never showed it to me. Right. But then you have other rooms that you're walking and you're like, this is going to be amazing. And then you get on stage and you're like, this is horrible. <laughs> this is not good. So I do, I actually like the work of it. I like, I don't like, and I love the studio, but some nights at the studio, there's no work to it. You can go up on stage and be like, hey, and it's like, ah, and you're like, oh, okay. I like the work. I like when they're rough. I like when they don't want to laugh at you, when they're kind of like, we're done, and you have to fight with them. You have to figure out, and they've seen 10 people, and they're kind of tired, and they're done with it, and you get up there, and you just just keep pounding away at them, and just coming at this way, and oh, over here, and just goofing around until you finally are, like, you hit the the studio, you hit the 10-minute mark, and they're like, there's energy back in the room. They're having fun, and it's like, yeah, you're not done. You're just, you're there. You're good. So I, I like that. I like the, the, you know, just going off script and just whatever works. Did we talk about why this is your favorite place? Uh, well, this is, uh, and I was thinking about that. I just picked this because I love faux, uh, <laughs> and it's cold out. So, and but re- I've lived here my whole life, and I don't know if I have a favorite place. Like I grew up. Salty, Dorchester, so like my childhood is Castle Island. Do you know Castle Island at all? It's an actual island? Uh, no, there's a um, there's like a Civil War fort there, and like that's where I grew up as a kid. Like I remember in 1976 like I was three at the time, but I see pictures of seeing the tall ships come in, and uh-huh. so I remember like all that, so that I don't have a specific favorite place. Like I grew up here, like I can take you a million places that was like, oh, me and my daughter came here and this was super fun. We did the duck tours. And so it's it's my childhood with her childhood laid over it. And then like, you know, friends and, you know, just so it's, it's I don't have a favorite place. It's just the whole city. Like I like the, I love the fact that two hours in any direction, you can go, you can go downhill skiing, you can go cross country skiing, you can just go hike in the woods, you can go to the beach, you can go to a casino, you know what I mean? You're in Boston, you're in the middle of literally everything. Whereas like, I know New York is like, everything's in New York, but you can't just duck out of the city and go skiing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's, I, that, I guess my favorite part about the city is that you can leave it. Like it's, <laughs> it's so, it's, and plus it's a tiny city. Yeah. 
Like it's, you know, you take a left and you're like, oh shit, I'm on the other side. of I, t I literally walked four steps, took a left, and I'm on the other side of the city. I'm okay, all right. I don't think I don't think anybody really lives truly in Boston proper. I think it's just it's very transient. It's very. I feel very. I feel like an outsider having lived here my whole life, in a way. Like, because everybody comes into Boston, school, work, this, that, that, you know. So anytime I meet somebody, they're like, so you're from here. Show me something. And I'm like, no, no, you're not from here. Show me something. I've seen all this stuff and don't even realize I should give a shit about it. There's a statue on the common. Um, Wait, the new one? No, it's like a civil war. You go, and I don't know, you know where the merry-go-round is? Yes between that and the new sandwich shop. You know where they do um, Shakespeare in the Park? Yes. So right up behind where the stage would be, there's a, there's, you walk up that hill and there's a giant monument, like a giant statue. I've, I'm 41. I've been here my entire life. I was up there. I was walking through. It was probably a couple weeks ago. It was super warm. Uh -huh. So I just left my show, went to the common, and kind of just walk away around and enjoy the night and enjoy the weather, made it up to the top of that. I'm like, holy shit. Some Australian guy came up. He's like, hey, what is this for? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I have, I'm like, honestly, dude, you're in from out of the country. You know more about this city's history than I do. So there's, I can tell you where not to park. But other than that, yeah, I, yeah, I think people coming from out of town will tell you more about the city than a townie could. All right. So... Any other additional final thoughts, things you want people to know about you that they may not know? Final thoughts? I don't know. I don't have any final thoughts. Yeah, what, I don't know. Ask a better question. I don't know how to answer that. Uh, least favorite place in the city, then? Least favorite. 93. Traffic is brutal. Oh, Highway 93. Yeah. 93. The tunnel. The, 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 the big dig, the tunnel. Uh, I do. I, yeah, other than that, I do love the city. I do love the area so least favorite would be driving in and out of the city i think yeah yeah all right guys this has been person about town thanks so much for listening bye